Hello, 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 and a warm wicka welcome to all of our witches, white lighters, and warlocks out there. My name is Clark. And I'm Victoria, and you're listening to Charmed and Dangerous, a Charmed podcast. This is episode 19, Ex Libris. Clark wrote uh, a book. <laughs> there was so much that happened in this episode. Holy yeah, I Lord. did write a really long summary, but it does actually for once cover everything. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's so funny because I'm like really tired right now and you can probably hear it in my voice. <laughs> but like... <laughs> It's so funny that when I'm tired, this is what I come up with. But when I'm hyper as all balls, (laughs) I just write absolute fucking nonsense. (laughs) So, yes, Victoria is going to lead us in our summary. Hopefully she (sighs) can manage it. Here we go. All right. Chapter one. Phoebe's school friend gets into trouble because her college thesis is all about proving that demons are out there. Well, trouble is an understatement because guess what, Charlene? They are out there and they don't want to be found. I guess getting decapitated is one way to learn your lesson. So yeah, on top of cramming for finals, Phoebe has to figure out how to get Charlene to move on. Which brings us to Brew. Okay, this is funny as shit. (laughs) (laughs) After doing a photo shoot on the streets of San Francisco about the faces of the city, Brew notices one particular man on the streets. Turns out he is there all day, every day, in the hopes that someone will be brave enough to stand up to the monster that killed his little girl. Gibbs the shop owner. He doesn't have a first name, or Gibbs is his first name, and he doesn't have a last name. I googled it, and he just, he's just Gibbs. Continue. <laughs> After being reminded by Phoebe that they can't use their powers to punish the guilty, because you'll get zapped in the future, they find a way around it and use Charlene and her unfinished business to scare Gibbs into confessing that he did indeed kill Tyra Williams. Uh, Gibbs, the pawn shop owner. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. dun, And Piper, oh, Piper, as we see her story with Dan wind down and her story with Leo heat up, there are a few little unfortunate loose ends needing to be dealt with. Dan's brother-in-law dug into Leo even after Dan told him not to, air quotes. And because Clark wrote this, it's the most sarcastic air quotes ever. And Dan felt the heroic, friendly need to make sure Piper knew who she was choosing. After, once again in air quotes, attempting to talk to Leo about it first, Dan provides Piper with Leo's war file. 
including sensitive information such as the fact that Leo was married when he was alive! <laughs> Piper tracks down his widow, Lillian, and finds out that Leo was always a wonderful man, and he even helped Lillian to move on and continue her life along to remarry, have children, and grow old a happy woman. However, this is not the last we see of Dan Gordon. <laughs> the villain of this story. Stop! <laughs> uh, it is not a victimless crime, but it is a victim. Okay, like, I just want to talk about this before we get into the big bad. It's just mm-hmm. so frustrating. And this is why I said, quote, attempting to talk to Leo about it first, end quote. Um, first of all, how did Dan know that Leo was going to be at the club? I mean, like, maybe he just assumed that he was still living there, I guess. But, like, that's still Piper's place. Yeah, absolutely. And then, (laughs) two, we, Piper walks in on Dan trying to beat the shit out of Leo. (laughs) There is no evidence that a conversation was had before then. That's all I had to say, really. It's just like, I don't know how much of a actual conversation Dan tried to have. Yeah, he kind of came in swinging. At least as far as we could tell. Yeah. And he damn near, like, the scene cuts in. Yeah, dude, the scene cuts in with. Dan trying to beat the shit out of Leo. Like, that's just all it is. And I mean, yep. Leo's not really fighting back that much. I mean, he is. He's, like, defending himself. Mm-hmm. But, like... He's kind of getting thrown. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of just getting, like, tossed around the club. <laughs> well, because he, like, A, that was not a dig at Leo. Leo can't really, like, punch Dan back. With his white lighter powers. Yeah. That kind of goes against the grain a little bit. I mean, also, Leo is at his core a pacifist, so. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he was in the war as a medic. It's not like he was, like, fighting back. <laughs> and he probably got conscripted anyways. Like, yeah, not it's not really like he was like, yeah, let me sign up for the war. Yeah. But we're getting into talking points now. Let's let's take a step back. Yep. Um and let's talk about the big bad question mark big beds. Cuz I I wanted to talk about Libras. Okay, Libras the demon of libraries. <laughs> According to you, libraries. <laughs> <laughs> um no, so Libras is one of many Libras demons. Uh and their job is essentially to cover up the demonic exposure, essentially. Yeah, and to be born in late September, early October. Stop. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry. But, so, okay, so two things. One, that book that she was pulling that was going to be the definitive proof that demons exist. Mm-hmm. Do we think... That that is placed there solely as an indicator to the Libras demons that someone's on to them. Or do we think that someone actually got past the Libras demons and published their findings about 
real demons. I think I think your first I think it's a setup. I think it is a setup. Yeah, I absolutely think that your first theory is correct because it really depends on the canon of the universe. Mhm. Because we know that there have been different demonic works and different like demonic classifications published in our reality but none of them because i mean she even had some books on her desk yeah but i think that the point of those books is that none of them actually got close enough to the truth exactly and that's why they were allowed to live and publish their stories do you think that like the books that aren't like correct that demons read them as like gossip magazines oh my god that would be hilarious they're like oh my god did you see what this human said about you and demons are us like (laughs) the the triad (laughs) is just cracking up because somebody said that (laughs) demons have like an aversion to like sunlight they like read twilight and they just crack like dead that's so funny. Mm. Yes, I love that. That's that's my new head canon. <laughs> um, but yeah, so <laughs> yes, we think that they set up their own little traps to make sure that they catch whoever is getting too close. Mm-hmm. Following that up, are we going to count Libris as a big bad? If all he's doing is covering up the existence of demons. <sighs> like, yes, okay. I he is he is killing innocents. Yeah, he did decapitate poor Charlene. But not exactly a lethal injection. But he's not doing it. Because it's in his nature as a... Well, it is in his nature as a demon. But, like, he's not doing it for personal gain. Mm-hmm. Like, even even white lighters. Like, they don't kill people, but they have that powder that makes people forget about the things that they've seen. Yeah. So, like, obviously demons could probably do that as well. But it does bring up a very interesting question of is he really a big bad if his only job is just to stop exposure? Well, and it's, it, it is an excellent point, Clark, because the question there is as well, how many humans, how many innocents have been saved from not knowing the correct information about demons? Exactly. And this is a question that we will see a lot in the coming seasons. Yeah. Particularly the later kind of end game, like six through eight. Yeah. We're going to be seeing a lot of, well, are they really bad guys? Like, can we really classify this set of people as a big bad if they're just doing their job? Exactly. If they're just doing what needs to be done and that in that instance, it might actually be protecting more people. You know, it's like the life of one versus the life of many. Yeah. It's that that moral dilemma that, you know, people talk about all the time. 
And I think just for the, okay, not to be on the cheek, but, um, the devil's to be, advocate, to be devil's advocate, <laughs> <laughs> I think that you did bring up a really good point earlier where like, there are so many demons with powers. Mm-hmm. Could the Libras demon just erase the memory? Exactly. Or is that something that demons aren't capable of? Like, we've seen yeah. demons turn back time. We've seen demons... I mean, I guess, in theory, they could have sent those demons that we saw in the episode with Misha Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, demons like that could be used... But even those demons and their way of removing memories is harmful. Yeah. It, it makes them brain dead. So, yeah. I mean, is taking away the memories of a mortal without causing harm something that demons can even do? Yeah. And if they could do it, would they? Exactly. When killing is and so I- much more efficient. I think that's where the line gets drawn Mm -hmm. is if they have someone that can do the job, but just would rather kill. I think that's when they become into a big bad. Yeah. But we have no evidence that would suggest that. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. right now, all of the evidence that we have points to Libras is just doing his job because there's no one else that can do it better. Yeah. Hmm. That's what I have to say about about Libris. Yeah. Um, and these are very good points. Yeah. I wanted to bring them up because I was literally watching the episode and I was like, <laughs> this is this dude's job. And I keep thinking about like stuff that we see later on. But as of the canon that we have in the world that we've built as of right now, I personally wouldn't consider Libris to be a true big bad. Yes. You know who is I a would, true big however, bag? <laughs> <laughs> consider Gibbs to be a big bad because he's an absolute fucking douchebag. Yeah, and he kills for malicious intent. Yeah, and then thrives and grows off of the fear that he creates within other people. Mm-hmm. Like, how long has it been since he murdered Tyra? That's a really fantastic question it's been a while though like yeah it's, it's like been a at least case. a year and they know about it the police know about it but daryl's hands are tied because no one will come forward as a witness yeah they so, don't have proof and they don't have a witness so they can't just like bring him in because then he'll walk yeah because they don't have concrete evidence which is you know a double-edged sword of our justice system. Yeah, absolutely. But, yes, Gibbs sucks, and (laughs) we may not consider the demon of of demonic exposure cleanup, the demonic janitor, a big bad, (laughs) but we do consider Gibbs one. Yes, absolutely. Take that as you will. (laughs) We do not... What are... What are they called in Monsters, Inc.? Where they, like, come in and, like, scrub the floor if they find anything oh, from a child. Um, <laughs> the Libras are just... 
the Libras. The Libras demon is just that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, that does move us into talking points. And we've briefly covered a lot of this in uh-huh. in the summary. Because for some reason I decided to... Write a summary summary. Yeah, actually do my job. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you tell me where you want to start. I want to start... Um... I want to start with usually in our episodes, we have a clear sister who is, has focus. And then the two other sisters either play equal backup or one is more backup than the other. However, that is not the true statement for this episode. Everybody has like an equal subplot. Which means Hence that... the several paragraph summary. Yes. So I'm gonna go ahead and start with, in my opinion, the least touched upon part of the episode, which is the aspect of fathers. Yes. I don't know if you caught that, but I definitely did. It ran through quite systematically. Um mm-hmm. So, as as we know, the Charmed Ones and their dad are not, like, super uber close. <laughs> they don't go out for daddy-daughter brunch, like. No. <laughs> they are uh, not particularly fond of Victor. So, yeah. Um, but it's his birthday in this episode. Or at least it's coming up. So, Prue is trying to get the girls to sign a birthday card. Piper. Oh, thank you, Piper. Peru does not want to sign the birthday card. And then yep. Phoebe shows, like, a startling amount of indifference. Um, yeah. Which is quite interesting, Clark. Why? Yeah, I definitely... I definitely caught that, too. Like, Phoebe pulled a 180 on Victor. Uh-huh. Like, to the best of my recollection, the last time we saw Victor, Phoebe was still kind of playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. She was still kind of like, well, it's not all his fault and this, is and that. Um, but Piper comes around and is like, do you want to sign dad's card? And Phoebe was like, why? He never sends me one and just walks away. Mm-hmm. Straight um, <laughs> and then when Piper tells Prue about it, she's like, hey, dad's card is on the counter if you want to sign it. She's like, I don't. And then continues with their conversation. Right. Um, and like mood felt that. Um but, yeah, and we do see a bonding moment between Phoebe and Prue. Um, because we have this moment where Prue is like, I've been talking to this man who is sitting out there all day, every day, trying to, like, get justice for his daughter's murder. And... You know, I see this pain in his eyes and it makes me wonder, like, if Victor feels that same pain mm-hmm. from not being, like, from not having his daughters in his life. And if he does, why doesn't he do something to change it? And it's a very interesting question. And one that anybody who has an absentee father 
Boo absentee dads. Um, Boo absentee dads. That's a throwback. <laughs> throwback. If you've been here, if you've an OG, you know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a question that anybody who's had that issue in their lives has asked. Like, mm-hmm. does it hurt them as much as it hurts me? And if it does, why don't they do anything about it? Um, and we don't get an answer for that in this episode. Mm-mm. Or in the next one, for that matter. Um, but it is interesting to see Phoebe and Prue bond over that. Yeah. Um, and and seeing that pain in Tyra's dad's face. Yeah. Because we've got, we've got different types of dads in this mm-hmm. episode. We've got an absentee dad. We've got a really good dad who will do anything for his child that's gotten to the point of obsession. Um, we have an overbearing father, and then we have... An emotionally unavailable. Exactly, yeah. And then we have, like, Leo not talking about his dad at all. Yeah. Like, like Piper brings him up and is like, were you close with your dad? And Leo's like, ooh, uh, that was a long time ago. Let's not talk about that. So, I don't know. Yeah, we got we got a lot of different dads and a lot of different feelings about Mm -hmm. dads. Um, And it's very interesting that they chose this episode to run that theme through. Like they even they they bring it up with Charlene. We don't even Mm -hmm. meet Charlene's dad and we've known Charlene for five minutes before she's like, yeah, my dad gave me a C in this class because we don't agree on it. And (laughs) and it's just it's a very intriguing theme yeah and and i wonder why they chose this episode to push that through i know right because it's it's not like it it is very interesting because it doesn't though it is important it doesn't really go (laughs) with the but also it doesn't not go yes absolutely which is the weird thing it's a very rich subplot and Charlene actually, so Tyra's dad, of course, is a main component for Prue, and we'll get into that in a little bit, mm-hmm. but he is, like, a very caring father to the point where, like, it's hurting his life that he hasn't let go. Yes. And, of course, we know about Victor. And then Charlene's dad, it's really interesting that Charlene mentions him, you know, as, like, this overbearing person who is not letting her succeed because of their difference in opinions. But then she also says, after Phoebe helps her to realize that she's dead, she says, I've never seen my dad cry before when she goes to check in on her family. At least not over me. At least not over me. Perfect. And it's That's like, the part that got me. Yeah, and it's like, because ah! it is, like, sometimes our parents... Like, don't get me wrong. There's no excusing, you know, a parent who is cruel to their child. But sometimes right. our, our parents forget that, like, especially when we're young, you know, college, teenagers mm-hmm. and high school, et cetera, et cetera. We have the cognitive abilities to recognize that we ourselves are not enough. And we, if you have self-esteem issues as a young person, they're exasperated by, like, everybody around you. Mm-hmm. So to also deal with your parent not being proud of you 
is really, really painful. Yeah. Because you can't please them. And then you can't please yourself. Because exactly. the person who's supposed to love you unconditionally, you can't please. And so I think that just to wrap up the dad topic, I think that it's very interesting that only in death did Charlene get to see how much of that was her father, like, wanting her to succeed. And then the crushing regret. I mean, I can't imagine the regret he must have felt. Yeah. And kind of wrapping up that topic, like you said, it's... I think this episode is a very great example of what this show tries to do so often and that we've pointed out sometimes fails. Mm -hmm. Um, they, They have something going on in each of the sisters' lives and an underlying subplot, mm-hmm. but none of it feels like it's too much. None of it feels like it's rushed. And none of it feels like it's just kind of wedged in there just so that they could get it in there. Mm-hmm. Like, this episode does a really great job of giving everybody the time that they need to explore the stuff that they're going through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ooh. Okay, which sister do you want to go for first? Uh, let's, let's let's do Prue. Let's go in the order. Let's go in order of age. Okay. Because we've all, we've, and we're gonna, you know, we've talked about this a little bit in the summary, but holy lord. <laughs> so Prue's subplot for this episode, her innocent is Tyra's father. Uh-huh. So as we mentioned, Tyra's father is looking for a witness, any witness, and so Prue finds him on a photography job, learns his story, and then kind of adopts him as her innocent. Yeah. Um, and then Which works. we never get confirmation that she was actually meant to help him. Yeah. There's... So she's kind of... Either way, she's doing, like, a really nice good deed. Um, but in order for her to, like, complete this really nice good deed, she has to go up with... Um, she has to go up against, like... A literal mafia man. Yeah. Which is, like, not sunny on a Sunday, you know? For sure, yeah. And and she puts herself in a very dangerous position in this episode. Yeah. Maybe not the most dangerous that she's ever been in, but she goes straight up and she faces Gibbs, like, to his face and is like, I'm not scared of you. And, man, I thought he was going to kill her right there. I know. I thought he was going to shoot her in the head. Like, I was like, ma'am. Like, relax. Like, we know you're a witch, babe. He doesn't. Yeah. This man obviously doesn't have respect for women. He murdered one off the street. Yeah. Supposedly because she saw something that she wasn't supposed to see. Like, this is something that he does regularly. Yeah, and it's Um, never confirmed. So for all we know, Tyra could have been murdered for, like, chewing gum. Yeah. Because maybe she, maybe she denied in advance. Like. Yeah, we have no idea why he murdered her. It's never confirmed. It's fucking brutal. Yeah. Yeah, she, she -hmm. develops an attachment to this story. Yeah, absolutely. And it very nearly bites her in the ass. Uh-huh. Um, though I will say, it is very... I love the last scene 
where they're just like casually strolling down the street and Gibbs falls out of his pawn shop and is like screaming in terror because mm-hmm. he thinks he's getting haunted by the girl that he murdered and he's like confessing and <laughs> Daryl's like, well, good enough for me. <laughs> Daryl is literally like, and that's a wrap, folks. Like, he's like, well, cuffs, have a great day. Enjoy your stroll. <laughs> Literally. We also, so, I would like to, for, to finish up Prue's part, because Phoebe and Piper, though Prue still has, like, a giant aspect in this, in this episode, mm-hmm. Piper and Phoebe have a little bit more plot-heavy involvement. Right. Um, so we'll go to Piper next, but I do want to talk about how absolutely hilarious Daryl is in this episode. Daryl's amazing. Like, he thinks the whole time he's like, is this a demon? Is that a demon? Are you here about this? Literally, he thinks everything is connected to the sisters, and he's right! Yes, literally, he's the only one that knows what's going on this whole time. And it, oh my god, it's hysterical. Daryl's the best. Oh, it's so funny. And we'll see that more, and I'm so excited for it. Yes, so shout out to Daryl. On to Piper. On to Piper. Yes. I'm gonna let Clark take the lead on this one, because I think she wants to. (laughs) Okay, so Piper goes through a lot in this episode. Uh, Primarily, you know, her usual Piper Dan Leo love triangle slash love angle because it's not actually a triangle people get it together um yeah dan dan has left the triangle (laughs) it's over well no like we'll talk about this later but a love triangle is only a true love triangle if like corner a loves corner b corner b loves corner c and corner c loves corner a it's Mm -hmm. not a true love triangle if one person has two love interests it's not it's not it's not accurate. Anyways, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> my nerd out moment for a bit. But um, yeah, so, you know, we've talked about Piper and we see Dan and he insists that it's not about jealousy, that he just cares about her and wants to make sure that she knows who she's, you know, getting involved with, which, you know, is fair, I guess. But I also don't believe that he has 100% clear motives in Mm -hmm. any of this, like, you know, if Dan could say a thing and get Piper back, he would. You know he would. Absolutely. And this, in his eyes, is the nail in the coffin that's going to be driving Piper back into his arms. Um, which will backfire, I think, in the next episode. I can't remember. But we'll talk more about that when it happens. But the biggest thing is Piper in this episode feeling like Leo is hiding his old life from her. Yes. He won't talk about his dad. He never told her about his wife. And and all these things he had good reason for. Like, that's not his life anymore. Like, I do understand why she wants to know about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I would too. Like, tell me about your family. Tell me about all this stuff. But... In his eyes, when he became a white lighter, he started a new life. Mm-hmm. And exactly. 
And so it makes sense that he wouldn't want to talk about that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're good. Everything's fine. They don't actually get into any overt fights. Mm -hmm. She does get a little annoyed because the second things start getting dicey, he gets called by the, by the elders. Um, so he's MIA for most of the episode. Um, but yeah, we meet Leo's widow. Mm-hmm. Um, Lillian. And she's a total sweetheart. Um, and she tells this glorious story about how he had a healing touch. He was going to be a doctor. And at the end of the day, he helped her move on. Mm-hmm. He came to her as a white lighter. Not that she knows that. She thinks he was just like an angel or something. Mm-hmm. But um, sent him a she- dream. Yeah, he he comes to her and tells her, like, listen, you've got another love out there. Don't waste your time being sad over me. I'm fine. I'm in a good place. Mm-hmm. Live your life. And she does. She remarries another doctor. Um, I think. Has a bunch she- of kids. Yeah, I think she has, like, two kids, a couple grandkids, a great-grandkid, and she's just straight-up living her life, yeah, man. Like, she is the kindest, sweetest, happiest old lady I've ever seen in my life. Right. And it really, it really soothes something in Piper. I think Piper was worried that Leo didn't tell her about Lillian because he was still, like, hung up on her and in love yeah. with her. Um, or worse, that Lillian was, like, completely crushed over her dead husband, and then exactly. Piper's just, like, finagling. <laughs> She's just fucking having wild, acrobatic, freezy sex with him. Uh, <laughs> but, but, no. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really great, and we see... Everything is fine between Piper and Leo, and yeah, I mean that's really all I have to say on it. Like, yeah, it's just it's good, and it helps to like heal Piper and make her yeah. feel even more sure of her choice. Exactly, and now and just all they speaking have to on... do... now all they have to do is <laughs> keep Dan out of their business. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is is speaking on Dan for a second, I truly do not believe that his brother-in-law was like, I I truly do not believe that Dan was like, hey, yo, brother-in-law, don't look into this anymore. And his brother-in-law, a PI or whatever he is, was Mm -hmm. like, well, I got nothing better to do anyways, I'm just going to keep digging. Like... (laughs) I find that scenario highly unlikely. <laughs> He's like, I'm just really bored, Dan. I'm <laughs> do some- Let me just send you this thing that you said you didn't want. Yeah. Like, also- I don't believe that. I think Dan is a big fat fucking liar in this episode. Yeah. Um. And uh, you love Dan, so you might I have do. a more clear viewpoint, but <laughs> I, do I think Dan. he's a big, fat, fucking phony liar. <laughs> I do love Dan, but we are getting to the point, like, the last episode that we saw Dan, where he Clark is right. kind of... What? 
Where Clark is right. Yeah. Where we <laughs> Yes, Clark is right. Where we kind of let go you know, he lets go of Piper and it's all great. And then he like and Does a one eighty. He does, and it's so sad because you know that if he knew what was going on, that Dan's personality would not leave leave him to be this way. But he genuinely thinks that Piper is blind. Mm-hmm. He genuinely thinks that Leo is lying to her about his identity. Yeah. And he is concerned. And it's unfortunate that that concern is hindering them. Because whether you like Dan or not, mm-hmm. you have to admit that if Homie knew anything about, like, magic or the world that Piper and Leo exist in, he would just leave it alone. Because he would be like, I don't right, necessarily believe that that's true. I do. Because I think that if I think that if Dan had not stumbled upon the information about Leo and it had not roused his curiosity and it had not made him suspicious that when Piper broke up with him, he would have been sad about it and then he would have gotten back in the dating pool and they would have been friends and everything would be chill. But he genuinely thinks that Leo, like, think of the evidence that has been presented to him. No, yes, and I I get that part. I definitely think that that like the evidence that Leo has stacked against him right now is bad. It yeah. looks bad. However, I don't agree with the fact that I think Dan would have let it go. Especially considering we're looking at this and you even agreed with me that it doesn't really seem like he's telling the whole truth here. Yeah. Like he he is pushing this and looking into this not only because of his concern for Piper, but because of his jealousy. And I can agree with that. I, I think agree that, with that. I think that if he knew about the world, that jealousy would still be there. And how far would Dan go to try and get Piper back? Because it's very clear that, like, if presented with certain facts... He's not the most reasonable person. Yeah, absolutely. And if, and if Dan was presented with the fact that magic is real and that Leo was a white lighter and that Piper was a witch and then he starts putting together the pieces, what would stop him from exposing them? Okay. To get his way. Like, it's I, not the I most outrageous... It's not the most outrageous thing that we could think of. No, I accept your points. However, and I say this, like, fully loving Dan in my heart, right? I don't think he's that committed. <laughs> and I know that I that think sounds... I think I know that that sounds a little crazy, but, like, if Dan... Because we know in the future... Uh-huh. This is a spoiler, okay? If you don't want to hear it, skip ahead, like, a couple minutes. We know that in the future, when those powers are revealed, that Dan freaks the fuck out and has to, like, completely have his shit wiped. 
and has absolutely no interest in Piper after he finds out that she's a witch. He is revolted by it. But that's what I'm saying is where, where is the line between revulsion and it's not the best word that I could come up with, but revenge. You fucked with my shit. You broke my heart. And now I'm going to turn that around on you. But I think that if at this point in this series, not later on after Dan's gone completely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, because we know that that's coming, because he continually gets into his head. At this point in the series, if Piper was like, would you still love me if I was a witch? Dan would be like, fuck no. And that would simply be the end of that. Because I really don't think that after they are exposed, it can be argued that Dan cares, and I know that this is mean, that he cares about her enough. Leo cares about her enough, and they are in the similar world. That's the whole reason that they work and that Dan and Piper don't. Is because once that secret is revealed, Dan wants nothing to do with her. Absolutely nothing. You know? I don't know. I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. I think that he would take it that step further. And I don't think that I can convince you of that. And you can't convince me that he wouldn't. Yeah. Okay. We'll stop arguing now, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) We'll agree to disagree. And then as it continues, we will continue to stack points. Because I do agree with Clark wholeheartedly that as it stands right now with Dan not knowing what's going on, he is going to continually... He's going to become more of a threat. Yeah, and I guess, again, it's my last statement about it. I just don't see the difference between him becoming a threat not knowing about it and him becoming a threat knowing about it. Mm-hmm. I think that a threat is a threat, and because he does get wiped, we'll never know what he could have done with that information. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's it point we'll talk about it again uh, that's it come back but, yep come back again we're talking about phoebe now <laughs> yes we're talking about phoebe uh phoebe stressing about finals yep phoebe freaking out about her friend charlene who gets decapitated if you weren't there god yeah in case you missed that <laughs> 10 minute conversation yeah phoebe's under some stress um phoebe's under some major stress Well, and she has a line. She says, I didn't go back to college to fail at it. Yeah. So we see this crazy determination um, that we've kind of never really seen from Phoebe before. Like, she's pulling all-nighters. She's dedicating herself more to this than we've ever seen her dedicate herself to, dare I say, anything. And it's, Um, it's not because she was lazy either. Like, if you've gone to college, you know, or if you've gone to any form of schooling, you know that there are types of people who will not show up to class, who don't put in the effort, who don't put in the time, Uh and then they, like, cram for finals as a last-ditch effort to, like, pass. Phoebe is not that. No. 
We have seen Phoebe consistently, like, dedicated to her studies. She's in the library. She's studying really hard. She's trying her best. She simply has not been able to attend as many lectures because of her demon hunting. Yeah. She has an unfair advantage stacked against her, and yet she's still kicking ass because Mm -hmm. she knows that this is what she wants. Absolutely. She doesn't want to be that sister tucked in the corner that's just forever unemployed having fun being a witch she wants to do something else with her life and it is honestly really inspiring to watch phoebe go through this point in her life and it's so oh oh it's so good because she (laughs) deserves the praise for it yeah she really really does Like, it's obvious that she's working so hard. And then she works additionally hard to, A, make Charlene aware of the fact that she has passed. And, B, to make sure that Charlene gets the eternal rest that she needs. Exactly. Oh, Phoebe kicks ass. Yeah, seriously. And speaking about Charlene and Libris... Um, we get an explanation in this episode as to why demons disappear when you vanquish them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really cool. I love these little snippets of lore, these little snippets of canon that get sprinkled in throughout the episodes. Um, yeah, the whole reason, the simplest answer for why demons disappear when they get vanquished is that they just don't want exposure. Like, Evil doesn't like loose ends. Yeah. It's it's literally as simple as that. And I think that that's fucking awesome. It's brilliant. It's such a great way to explain it. Yeah, because like, it happens. Like yeah. every episode, somebody gets like, exploded. We rarely ever see demonic remains. And I think it's really cool. That we got yep. an explanation in this episode. Absolutely. And I just wanted to mention that. Um, there's really not much to talk about about Charlene, except for the fact that she's kind of badass. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she finds doesn't. out that she's dead. She freaks out for a second and is like, all right, let's get this fucker. Yep. <laughs> and she says, I want to prove that he doesn't exist anymore. Yep. And I'm like, oh, Charlene, that was cheesy, but I love it. And she's like a kick-ass revenge ghost. Yes, she She's gets the living revenge shit out for of that Tyra. Dude. Yes, like leave it to a ghost to scare the pants off of a mafia lord. Like, yep. amazing. Ten out of ten. She is a badass bitch, and I love her. That's all I've got to say about Charlie. Yeah. And I think that that kind of wraps up our talking points as well. It really does. This is a long episode. This is a long episode. So let's move straight into personal gain. I did want to talk about this a little bit because Mm -hmm. there are a couple of instances that I wanted to consider. The first one being, I think we should add one for Piper freezing Leo and Dan when she walks into them fighting. Um, I would even potentially argue for more, um, but I think one is fair because... Um, especially because when she unfreezes Leo and talks to him and then tells him to go back to get punched in the face, he dodges, dodges it and Dan punches a wall. Yeah. Um, I will agree. So we'll definitely one. one point there. Okay. 
That brings us up um, to 58. What else you got, Clark? The other one that I wanted to consider is Prue using her telekinesis to scare Gibbs. Mm. She makes a comment when she's leaving the store that she's like, I hope this doesn't come back to haunt you. Yep. And then makes an accordion fall from the sky. Um, and I'll tell you why I want to consider it personal gain. Well, it is. Well, because she's using her powers to, quote unquote, punish the guilty. Fine. And they don't face the consequences for it. Fine. 59 it is. Well done, Derek. <laughs> I just I think that those are those are fair and we we do try to be as fair as we can when we give out personal gain like we're not trying to be biased like this is our favorite show let's give our girls a break like yeah. no we're going to be harsh on them and if you guys disagree let us know Absolutely like we can always revise the personal gain count if you guys think that we're being too tough um but I think that these two are fair Yeah they are they're very fair they're funny, but they're fair. But they're fair. But they're fair. And now, a short ad break. Do you like gaming? Do you like making friends? Do you just want to have a place to chat with Clark and Victoria because you just can't get enough of them? Ooh, hell! We've got just the place for you. Galaxy Gaming, home to every game under the stars, is a Discord server and Facebook group where you can assign yourself roles and find friends to chat or game with. The community is absolutely fantastic and super welcoming. Between the game matchups, constant involvement contests, and mini games, this server has it all. Follow the link in any of our social media or shoot us an email letting us know you're interested and we'll get you in. Thank you for listening and I can't wait to see you there. Whoop whoop! That's it for the ad. It's very short, but we like to put it in there because we yeah. love our friends over at Galaxy Gaming. Absolutely. I am always on there. So. <laughs> Um, Victoria, what was your favorite line or your favorite part in this episode? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, Piper sees Leo naked and says, ha, nice orbs. You keep getting Piper and Prue mixed up. I'm so sorry. Prue sees Leo naked and says that. And it is hysterical because she straight up leers at him. It's, yeah. And then... Piper's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> stop looking at my boyfriend. Stop looking at my boyfriend. <laughs> and, oh, God, there was another good one. This isn't my favorite, but uh, Prue hugs Piper during, uh, like, right before she leaves their, their date area. And she's like, no safe without safe sex. And I'm like, or no sex without safe sex. Right. And, uh, God, Prue, stop being a mom. Uh, mine mine was. her character trope. Yeah, my my uh, my favorite was a conversation between Piper and Leo. Surprise, surprise. Um, and uh, Piper was like, "Lunch at the club? I'll pay." And Leo turns around and goes, "You'll have to. White light or pay sucks." And I thought it was funny. <laughs> it's very Leo's funny. So funny. <laughs> Leo's very cute in this episode. He's he very cute. Is a precious bean, and I love him. Very cute. But that's what I'll always say. Clark, mm-hmm. <laughs> how would you score this episode out of ex-wives? She's a widow! 
Um, I would give this episode 4.9 ex-wives. She's a widow. Um, yeah, I think yeah. we've mostly discussed it. Um, it pulls together really well. I think it's overall rewatchable. Um, we get a little bit of snippets of lore. And again, we get all of the storylines, but none of it feels rushed or randomly thrown into there. Mm-hmm. How about you, Victoria? How would you rate this episode? I'm going to give this episode a flat 4.2 ex-wives. She's a widow out of five. Just, I agree with all of your points. I think that it's an excellent episode. I think that it's great that we see lots of different plot lines. I don't know, though, if it is, I think it's an entertaining episode, but Uh I do lean more towards comedy for rewatching. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's definitely, like, a personal preference. Absolutely. Alrighty. Sweet. Also, that little she's a widow, it's because Victoria wanted to score it out of ex-wives. And and so I made made a little note of my own. In caps. She's a widow! (laughs) Well, she is. She is. They never got divorced. Anyways, it has been zero days since we've seen Leo, which is and always Darryl. exciting. And yeah, zero days since we've seen Daryl. So great episode, 10 out of Woo-hoo. 10. Um, never mind. I take it back. This is a 5 out of 5. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but that does bring us to the end of our episode. So if, if you guys want to see more of us, Victoria, where can they find us on Twitter? You can find us on Twitter at charmed underscore podcast. Where can they find us on Facebook, Clark? You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash charmed and dangerous pod or by searching charmed and dangerous podcast in the search bar. If you still can't get enough of us, where can you find us on Instagram, even though we haven't posted in like three months? You can find us on Instagram, even though we haven't posted in three months. At charmed and dangerous pod. Where can they find us for questions, comments, snarky remarks, um, general information packets, clerk? Yep, we have those. Uh, you can Pamphlets. email us at charmedanddangerouspod at gmail.com. Um, that's usually the best place to contact us. That or Twitter, I think, is where we're most active. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. eh. the, the email is really the best place to get to us. Like yes. We do get on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, but definitely not as much as our we're email. We're full-time so. ladies. <laughs> Girl. I I have like three full time jobs at this Literally. point. Literally, I, I am dying. Somebody but, send some prayers for Clark. Oh my god, please! I need someone to make it so that I don't ever have to sleep. Like I can if I want to, but I don't. Stop. You know. Uh, <laughs> but yes, that does bring us to the end of our episode. All jokes aside, please make sure you take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's getting hot. Drink some water. Make sure that you're eating right. That you are um, just just take care of yourself. Stay healthy. If your city is still struggling with COVID, wear your mask. Um, doesn't matter that you're vaccinated. It helps. Mm-hmm. Um, so just just take care of yourself we love you too much for you to get sick or hurt um and Thanks, on that ma'am. note <laughs> yeah, God, I sound like um on that note we will see you next week we love you so much blessed be blessed be